family. So open your Bibles. We want to continue in our church-wide Bible study today, Nehemiah chapter 6. We just say, Lord, we love you. Your word is a greater treasure than we have ever understood. And I pray you would teach us, Lord, to recognize there's something of an ancient stream of true reality that's born from the reading of your word. It redeems our conscience. It renews our minds. It restores our soul. It causes us to come more into alignment with who you've called us to become. So even in the way we read scripture together, in our community groups or in our gathering like this, may we read with a sense of faith and expectation and anticipation that something is transacting within us even as we're reading your word. And Lord, unlock this eternal reality that you desire for us to walk in today, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Today in chapter 6, I felt like the Lord was saying um, we're going to explore one of the things that really uh, we must begin to understand if we're going to become all God has called us to become. God's called you to become more than you have been. Would you agree with that? Uh, There's more. No matter how far you've grown, there's more for you to grow. And so what we're going to see in Nehemiah chapter 6 is Nehemiah is a master at being discerning, not distracted. So that's what we want to talk about, uh, how to be discerning, not distracted. Uh, Have you ever had people in your life that wanted your energy and your attention and their motive was actually control? Um, This is what's taking place in this particular chapter. Um, Distraction has to be met with discernment or we lose sight of that which matters the most. So Nehemiah chapter 6, we'll start verses 1 to 4. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. Let's, let's meet. But they were scheming to harm me. He discerned this. He realized this. Verse 3. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message And each time I gave them the same answer. So because Nehemiah was discerning, Nehemiah was able to keep his focus and was free from being distracted. So let's just think about that for a moment. We are easily, especially in the day that you and I live in, we are easily emotionally spun up. I say it often, I would encourage you to write it down, rehearse it, spend time praying and asking the Lord to help all of us. Please pray for me when you pray for you in this regard. Lord, lessen my reaction, deepen my response. Lessen my reaction, deepen my response. I want to grow not just 
to live my life in a fleshly reaction, but I want to have a spiritually discerned response to a circumstance that's going on, no matter what that circumstance may be. Just because everybody else it lives in a state of panic and fear doesn't mean we have to dwell there as well. We can actually discern something more from the Lord in a moment in time where everybody else was having a wild reaction. I remember when Faith was a little girl, I had been out of the country and had just come back, and I was so glad to see the girls and she came out um, of the bathroom it was the day after I had been there I think she had been taking a bath or something just a little little girl she came out and she said dad what is this and it looked like honeycomb all down her leg yellow honeycomb all down her leg and I freaked out I thought I've brought something back from overseas I have infected my daughter with the dreaded honeycomb disease I mean you know my imagination started running wild and can anybody relate I guarantee you have a symptom and you get online you can find the 39 ways you can die in six days from whatever symptom you have and your imagination starts going wild and in that moment I looked at her leg and she saw the fear in my face as I had a fearful reaction of what might be and she then grew extremely emotional in reaction to my reaction and I'll never forget realizing her my response to a situation is going to determine where she goes from here and I just squared off to her and I looked at her and I said faith I just declare right now in the name of Jesus, he is a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. He's a God that heals you. He died so that you and I might have life. And I mean, I just started to declare the word, and I saw her countenance shift into a place of having um, out of fear into neutral, into confidence. You and I are actually designed to live like that and to instill that and awaken that in the lives of those around us. Do you know people in your workplace can actually see that type of confidence that doesn't make sense to the natural mind and it becomes a witness to Christ that is alive in your life? We're not supposed to just be living our lives like everybody is living their life everywhere we go. Like we're, we're just like the world, only we're applying Bible truth. No, Jesus is alive within us. And nothing that happens to me takes control of me because God is ultimately in control. Do you receive that? Do you digest that? Are you, are you allowing that to germinate within you? Come on, let's just take a moment and just pray into that. I, I felt, the reason I'm doing this, by the way, I'm just, I'm trying to learn how to do all of this more effectively. And I, I felt like there's something more there than maybe what we were able to embrace by just hearing it. So will you just pray into it with me just for a moment? Just agree. Uh, maybe put your hand on your heart or do something where uh, you are participating. You know, you can just say amen, 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 whatever you'd like to do. But Lord, would you awaken this within our hearts to understand that we are called to a deeper place of response rather than a shallow reaction that looks just like the world. We are expression of the kingdom of God on the earth. So help us, Lord, to grow in that. Help us to stay in your word in a place of prayer, conversational relationship with you so that we're learning to be deepened in how to walk this out in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Growing in this conversational relationship with God is such a high calling in your life. What does it mean to live your life in a conversational interaction with God Almighty? And this involves prayer. <laughs> This involves focusing in and taking time, making room 
for you to be in a conversational interaction with the Lord, taking time to read the Word. We really promote heavenly, uh, heavenly, heavily and heavenly. Turn the page. Start in the book of Genesis. Every day, turn the page and just write the date at the top of the page. Maybe put a little prayer there that one day your great-great-grandchildren that you may never meet actually will be able to pray the prayers that you prayed with this wonderful heirloom that's passed down from generation to generation. Imagine if you had five generations ahead of you, Bible passed down, you would hold that like it was a piece of gold. You weren't given that, but you can provide that if you'll give it to the generations after you. So think about what I'm talking about. Living life in this conversational interaction with God is your way of life. Just getting up, spending time in the Word, spending time in the Lord, and focusing in. And, and I'm amazed at how many people just get up at the last minute of the morning to you know, dash out of their house furiously trying to stay on top of the wave they're riding that day. Don't do that to yourself. Make room. Take time, set your alarm early enough that you can give God the first fruits of your morning. Whatever that looks like. Maybe your heaviest part of devotion doesn't happen in the morning, but you should get up early enough to spend time having some conversation with the Lord before you start having conversation uh, elsewhere. Uh, I, just, I felt the Lord was asking me one morning. I just was getting up and, and um, there's this word for the the chemical, I'm looking for help, someone figure this out. Um, the chemical starts with an S. Serotonin, that's it. The Spirit of the Lord is leading me to say serotonin, serotonin. Um, and so serotonin, I, I felt like, the, I mean, that's, that's how, how well I know uh, what this was. You know, I mean, I've heard the word before, obviously, and kind of knew, but I don't use that word a lot. But I, I got up one morning, I felt like the Lord said, let your serotonin, your first serotonin belong to me. In other words, don't get a hit of something that might be um, a stir off of your social media. Who liked my post? Or off your game, can I get another level? And the Lord was just challenging me, whatever that serotonin hit is for you, uh, don't get your first hit off of something else, but focus in on Him. Just get in His presence and give Him... I mean, you're fresh in the morning. You know, you've just been resting all night and your, your mind hasn't been going everywhere uh, like it has, like it will be during the day. And just give Him that first bit of your morning. And so I just don't, don't do anything on my phone until I've been before the Lord. I try not to even take notes on my phone because if I take notes, then I'll see messages. But um, that first portion of the morning, I just want to give it to him and get in that place of conversation. The thing you have to understand is what you don't do determines what you can do. So you're going to have to wake up. This is just a great practice to start your day. Wake up and say no to something so you can say yes to the Lord. Because what you don't do determines what you can do. And this is a really important statement. It'll pop up for you to see because I want you to rehearse it just a little. Your yes becomes more powerful when your no becomes more regular. And if we're just living our lives saying yes to everything that's demanding our attention, then we don't even know who we are and everybody else is defining our identity more than we really understand who we are in Christ. And so your no needs to be regular so that your yes can be more powerful. Quality sacrifices quantity, and quantity sacrifices quality. This, this whole idea of, of Nehemiah being able to be discerning instead of distracted comes from living a life with a conversational relationship with God at the center. 
He spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of prayers recorded in this short book of Nehemiah because he was constantly in this conversational connection to God. And so your life, quantity sacrifices quality, quality sacrifices quantity. And so if you imagine your life in the, in the form of a dollar, then you actually, you could give that dollar to four different places and you're giving a quarter to each of those four places. Or you could give that dollar to a hundred different places and you give a penny to a hundred different places. And the value of the dollar is, de is determined by how it's divided. And the value of your life is determined by how you divide it. And people that matter in my life more centrally to the purposes of God need more value of how I'm dividing my life to make sure they are a priority. I'm, I'm kind of aiming over here at my wife. That'd be important that I give her a little more than just a, a penny value like I give everybody else. And so understand this is the same in relationship to the Lord. So when you focus on those things that matter first, it postures you then to be in that place where you're better at responding, and you, you, you lessen your reaction, you deepen your response. Amen. How many of you going to grow in this this week? The Lord's going to help us. Let's go on. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Then the fifth time, <laughs> they sent this... Four times, we need to meet, we need to meet, we need to meet. Like, they were persistent. Anybody have enemies in your life that are persistent? <laughs> the fifth time, they came again with the same message. Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message. But here's the difference. And in his hand was an unsealed letter. We need to understand the unsealed letter. So tuck that in. We'll come back to that in a moment. Verse 6, in that unsealed letter, it was written... It is reported among the nations. And Geshem says it is true. I'm not the only one who thinks this about you, friend. Have you heard that before? This is the same language. It's reported among the nations. And this other guy, boy, he says it's true. That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt. And therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. <laughs> now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. By the way, this was, this was a horrific, tyrannical king. He killed his brother to take the throne, yet Nehemiah had phenomenal favor with him, was mobilized to this project, but this was a very real potential threat that he's saying. Like, this is going to get back to the killer that could take your life. We should have a meeting. And then I love his response, verse 8. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You're just making it up out of your own head. <laughs> you're lying. Be quiet. I'm busy. That's what he's saying. You're crazy. I'm busy. Uh, he, he didn't take a long time, a real elaborate response. He just was really direct and to the point. This isn't true. You're making it up. I've got too much to do to give myself to being distracted. I'm going to stay in this posture of conversational disposition with the Lord to accomplish my God-given assignment, and I'm not going to give in to your distracting voice. So the open letter. Let, let's just talk about that for a moment because it's an interesting idea. So I started kind of studying this out and what that would look like. The intention of an open letter was actually that it might be read on its journey to being delivered. 
Typically, that information would be sealed and the integrity of the conversation would be preserved saying, let's have a conversation together, you and me. But instead, this was an open letter. Everybody can read it. Somebody carrying it is going to read it. Word's going to get out. Public pressure begins to happen before a private meeting takes place. This is social media. That's what this is. Just wanted to put it out there. Pastor Lawrence really made me mad this week and then, you know, asked for a, a meeting, a conversation. And, and I, I mean, this is just so prevalent in the society that you and I live in. And it was taking place in Nehemiah's day. The same spirit at work in Nehemiah's day is the same spirit trying to be at work in this day. It's a different day. It's the same demon. And I want to say to you, get off the social media when you have aught with a brother or sister. I cannot say this loudly enough, and I need a lot of amen, support, shout, yes. That is immature. It is not only immature, it is divisive and demonic. And it fosters a sense of disunity and disrespect to the way God says in His Word to address when you have aught with somebody. Go to the person. Don't rally support publicly. To manipulate them before you meet with them privately. Because that's what was taking place in this situation. We, we were having a, a service, a Wednesday night service. And, um, and Dan Mooney was our worship leader at that time. And as he was in worship, he just felt that worship was to conclude and that I was to transition. And he gave me the cue. And I remember standing there thinking... This isn't really when I would normally come up, but I'm pretty sure he just gave me the cue. It's, it's the, the church is filled with signs and wonders. He's given a sign, and I'm wondering, what's he doing? And I get, the, I get the cue, and so I respond, and I get up. I come into the moment of worship and kind of transition out of it. There was a guy sitting on the front row. We didn't know him very well, hadn't been attending church for very long. And I noticed he kind of left aggressively, uh, you know, at that point in time. Before the service was even over, he got home and posted online, why do these carnal-minded pastors have to disrupt worship and tread on the Holy Spirit when God is doing such a great work? And I remember looking at that, I was like, he asked me to come up. <laughs> like, I, I was doing what I was told. Did I bother to take the time to try and explain to this critic? No. I want to just remind you of something we said a few weeks ago. Never waste your time trying to explain yourself to someone who is deeply devoted to misunderstanding you. It is a waste of time. You're crazy. I'm busy. I'm not coming over there to have that chat. <laughs> Keep it simple. You, you feel like, well, maybe if I go and have a conversation, maybe if I respond to the post, it'll calm things down. All you're doing is allowing leverage to the enemy. One of the most difficult things is to keep your mouth shut when you are being falsely accused. But one of the most Christ-like things you can do is to keep your mouth shut when you are being falsely accused. And as hard as that is, because we want to react, we say, Lord, would you lessen our reaction, deepen our response. I want to respond to the Lord and not just feel like I have to go out and explain myself to every critic that comes along. Now, all that said, I want to just make sure we all understand. 
I have learned over time, I would say many, probably the Lord would want me to say most. So I'll, I'll go the Lord's route. I have learned over the course of time, most every critic I have ever had, had a valid point. But because I step into a place of reaction, I can't grow from their observation. I'm just trying to defend myself when probably they are seeing something I might need to take a look at. Anybody feeling uncomfortable with this conversation? Like, many times, most of the time, okay. Uh, your critics are seeing something that you need to evaluate. So what you can do is don't just shut out the content of their complaint, but refuse to internalize their voice of criticism. Don't internalize the voice of criticism, but don't just shut out the content of whatever they're complaining about. Pay attention and see, is this something I need to grow from? And, and I, I mean, honestly, it is a reality over the course of years. You know, you don't stand here for 33 years, as Tracy and I have, and not have harsh, difficult criticism come from people that you really love and, and that really love you and legitimately don't understand. They got sifted into a sideways disposition. And you just have to purpose that I'm going to love people well. You know, the Bible actually has this little crazy verse. It actually says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. How many of you, that is not your favorite verse in the whole Bible? Like, I, I want to be like Jesus. Does anybody want to be like Jesus? If you want to be like Jesus, say amen. amen. The Bible says he used his own blood that dripped out of his body on his own cross to reconcile those who hated God to know God through his surrendered love. You being a nice person, applying biblical moral truth, just trying to be good and nice is a healthy thing for you to do. But the greatest declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not you just trying to present yourself moral before people and before God because you believe in the Word of God. The greatest testament to the cross of Jesus Christ is you let people crucify you and you ask God to forgive them right there while you're hanging on the cross before them. I want to be like Jesus. I don't know. Some days I don't want to be like Jesus. Some days I want to straight up be like the devil. Anybody else? At least half of us. I'm asking the worship team if you'll just come. There's a little more I'm going to share, but trying to pay attention. Isn't it beautiful just to walk with the Lord? I, I do want you to know, I just, I used to feel differently about this, but I no longer feel like I have to stand up here and come up with stuff to, to say to keep you going. And if it's heavy, then I toss humor in. And if it's light, I toss a deep story in. I, I mean, it, it's awful, but I know how to make a crowd cry. I know how to bring my own tears to the table. It's manipulative witchcraft that we call 
ministry in the day in which you and I live. Very prevalent church. Doing a video interview with a pastor, a personal friend of mine. And as they were doing the interview with this pastor, they were going to be promoting the pastor's connection to their church and the the blending of what was taking place and the way the campus structure was going to be and they were inviting this pastor to share and, the, and they did like seven takes, eight takes, nine takes and finally the person directing the video said to the pastor, the pastor's wife sitting there by the way, she's fairly no nonsense, a little bit like my wife and the, the person directing the video said to the pastor listen, this is really great but at this point when you bring this if you could just bring some tears into that It'll really move the church. I just want to mention again, the ancient stream of church is something God is introducing to the modern expression that God's calling us to be. And it has nothing to do with that nonsense. So rather than me come up here, feel like I've got to keep you spun up and going, and I just want to, I just want to stand here and, and model what I hope you will live and that is I don't feel like I have to have it all together please when you go to work when you're at home don't feel like you have to have it all together I'm not sure what to say sometimes please when you feel like you're not sure what to say sometimes pause stop talking actually tell your coworker. they're telling you you know have you had somebody come to you and they, they kind of lay out these crazy problems and, and you feel obligated you're a Christian you should have an answer Sometimes the best answer is just to be honest and say, I don't really know what to say. But I'll really sincerely pray for you. You see that emotion right there? That wasn't worked up. That's legit. <laughs> I just want to be tender before the Lord. I just want to be tender. Rebuilding this wall. 141 years and no rebuilding had taken place. 141 years. And what we read on, if we were going further in this chapter, they, they rebuilt the wall 52 days. This is crazy. This is why, as you read in this chapter, all their adversaries surrounding them became afraid because they perceived God has miraculously helped these people be an established people. In just 52 days, how did this happen? And this is the point I just want to make out. A 52-day project, actually, Nehemiah had prayed for four months. A 52-day project had a four-month foundation of prayer. Are you frustrated because you're not having breakthrough? How much have you really taken it into a place of prayer? I know this is kind of a bizarre thing, but I, I, the Lord just... Sometimes the Lord just messes with us, you know, just, he's, he's like a good father, just tampers with his kids sometimes, toys, I, I think he jokes, I think, there have been times that I would, like, feel like the Lord was just kind of, I, I would just not even be paying attention, and I feel like the Lord just came near just to kind of get my attention and kind of have an inspiring moment, like I, I enjoy with my own children. And I felt like the Lord just said to me, prayers like sit-ups, and I was just like, that's, that's not good theology Lord what do you mean <laughs> how many of you ever tried prayer before and it didn't work you can't say I tried sit ups and it didn't work 
And I just feel there's some things that we need to be praying about. I, I, I mean, I just want you to know, I declare over my wife that she is blessed in the Lord every single day. I declare over our daughter's faith and Lexi that they are blessed. There are divine appointments that are coming their way, that God is bringing resources from the north, south, east, and west into their position to see God's kingdom expand. Humility will abound in our hearts as we continue to grow in the Lord. This is my morning seven points of prayer routine. You're a part of this, and I, I expand this then and begin to pray over you every single morning. It's like spiritual sit-ups, and, and man, I got, I got a six-pack somewhere, spiritually speaking. I know I got more of a keg right now, but I'm talking spiritually. <laughs> I'm talking spiritually. You just keep on. You just keep on. It's working. It's taking its full effect. There's an atmosphere in my home that would not be there if I were not daily continuing to pray. There's an atmosphere in my home that would not be there if I didn't have five years of daily praying. Do you understand? People around you are becoming more of who God's called them to become. If you'll just keep it up, keep on. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't fix your eyes on that which is seen. You see something that looks discouraging. Come on. Just keep on plowing. Keep on digging. Keep on climbing. Keep on praying. Keep on declaring. There's an atmosphere of God's kingdom. We are standing on earth in a spot under an open heaven, and heaven is coming down. This is our time of prayer. It's our time of worship. This is the people of God. Come on, let's stand. A 52-day project had a four-month foundation in prayer. Before God did something through Nehemiah, God did something in Nehemiah. Before God did something through him, God did something in him. When you're praying, your situation is breaking. But God is doing a work in you. Jonah prayed. Jonah prayed. Listen. Jonah prayed and God spoke to a whale. Sometimes your breakthrough doesn't necessarily look like what you're expecting it to look like, but your breakthrough is actually going to impact a whole lot of people beyond yourself. Come on, we're standing in a spot on the earth under an open doorway of heaven. Would you just receive that now? In the name of Jesus, Lord, you're doing a work. You're doing a work. There are people in this world who have had nine felonies and they have no hope. But Jesus is alive. And when they get in a spot on the earth, under the doorway of an open heaven, everything about their life begins to change. So we surrender and we say, Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we need you. You came, you lived, you died, but you're risen from the grave. You're the Savior of the world. We need to be rescued from our very own sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, if you declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior, why don't you give him 60 seconds of praise right now? And we just declare it. We celebrate it. You're worthy of our praise, oh God. You are worthy, Lord. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come.
Keep reading Nehemiah. Uh, it's starting to feel a little exhausting to me reading as much as I am. Keep reading in this season of time. We're almost halfway finished with the book. It's going to take us a while. Keep reading. Something's germinating in you. It's like sit-ups. You're developing a greater strength. There's something God's imparting, something God's awakening. You don't see it. Fix your eyes on that which is unseen. Keep reading Nehemiah. And this week particularly, let's pray. This is your action point. We bring God's presence to real life. We don't just experience God's presence. We express it as our way of life as a church family. And so your GP2RL, we bring God's presence to real life. Continue to read two chapters of Nehemiah each day and ask God to give us all discernment that would keep us free from distraction as we walk this out. I'm going to ask our, our prayer team if you'll come. We're standing right now on earth in a spot under the doorway of heaven. Will you just take what the Lord stirred in your heart? We're just going to take a few moments. This is part of our congregational assignment. We bring what the Lord's placed within our hearts. We just bring it back to Him and give Him thanks in a posture of worship. If there's anything we can pray with you about, if today you've decided you want to make Jesus Lord of your life and the prayer we prayed and the celebration we had is your declaration today, then come to our, our, our prayer team and, and let us pray with you. Let us make sure you have a Bible in your hand. If you're online, you're making a decision to go further in your faith and your relationship with the Lord. Would you please put something in the field? Reach out to us. Let us know. Send us an email. We're not supposed to journey on this alone. So come on, let's press in together just for a few moments and then, then we'll be dismissed. But if you wouldn't mind, just hang with us to conclusions so that we can bring something back in this spot on the earth under this open doorway of heaven.